But as we have a couple Sundays left in this month, if you haven't gotten the book that we wrote called Seek, they're free to you. We really, really encourage you to grab them. Uh, we just, as a team, we got together and we just said, hey, uh, we really, really want to make uh, January important. We just really want to make it uh, stick. You know, we just want to, you know, every year you get up and you talk about goals and resolutions and all these kinds of things. But we believe at the beginning of the year, the first things, if we can marry scripture and pray and seek God and ask for vision, and we can write those things down, that God will move in them, that he'll honor, that he'll join us in these things, and he'll help us be finishers in these things. And so we wrote these books, again, totally free to you. The way that they work is they have six different categories in them, from family to our jobs to all different things. And uh, in each category, you just write down some goals and some action steps, and you make plans for your year, and you just ask God to join you in them and, and help you follow through on them. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this book again today as we finish up, uh, but I encourage you, grab this book. If you know of somebody who will benefit from one of these, take it on your way out and get together and work on it. I've said every week, um, it's not fun. As much as it's like exciting, go get your book and go home and work on your goals. It's work. You know, it's work to, to look ahead. We literally have looked all the way into our whole year. You know, we've combed over the whole calendar. We've put things in place that are reoccurring, that are unmovable, that, you know, stick to the goals. And so it's really important for us to just do the full work and set things in place. Uh, most of the time when you look back at a year and you didn't accomplish what you tried to accomplish, it's because you probably didn't really try to accomplish those things. Uh, if we can just sit down and mark them down and put them in place and then execute them, you just have a, hot, a much higher success rate. And so the scripture says this in Psalm 90, 12, it says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us spend them as we should. Now, many churches or some circles would come at it from the, you know, number your days. Tomorrow's promise to no man. One day you could get in a crash and die and go to hell. So pay attention to your days. And there's truth to all of those things. Of course, the scripture does promise that there is, uh, the scripture does say that tomorrow's promise to no man. We don't know. But what I believe the scripture is also saying is be intentional with your days. You know, use your life. The scripture all throughout says even when we get to heaven, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in things. You've paid attention to this life that I've given you. Well done with that. And so it's important for us to number our days, lay them out, pay attention to them, not just for your benefit here on earth, but because that's good stewardship that God has called us to. Amen. We said last week that most people overshoot what they can do in one year, but they drastically undershoot what they can do in the course of five years. So write your goals, look big at it, you know, and make things practical. Take your whole calendar and break them down. You know, it's funny when you look at the weight loss stuff and you jump online, it's lose 30 pounds in 30 days. And we make everything so extreme in the beginning because that's just our culture. We want everything instant, microwave, you know, all this. But, but take your goals and write them out over a year and trust God to operate in them. Amen. We've said the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. Well, this book is us taking these action steps and closing the gap between what we know to do and what we're actually going to do. We're going to write it out, we're going to close the gap, and we're going to see success this year. Uh, 1 Corinthians, we put in our book, 1 Corinthians 9.26 says, so I, do, so I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just at the air. And there's many of us, you know, we use big phrases, oh, it's a new year, it's going to be a great year, we're going to do great, and we're just swinging at the air. We're not even, we haven't even laid out what we're, what's a great year? Well, it's going to be a great year, we're going to have a great thing, it's going to be great. What's great? You know, what are we hitting? What are we swinging at? What are we intentionally going after? And I think that's a good call here from Scripture is to determine what you're going after. Amen? Habakkuk 2.2 says this. It says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. 
And it's saying if you put something in place, if you write it down, if you make that vision clear, it's almost like stepping into a huddle. You can go back to that vision and look at it, and it's made clear. It's like, all right, now I can go back out there and run. I can execute it. I can go with this vision because I've made it clear. You with me? And so we put in the book that indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. You know, many of us miss our opportunities and what God has for us simply because our mind hasn't made up where we want to go. We're not sure what we should say yes to or no to because we have so much indecision in our life. We miss opportunity because we don't know what we should be doing. We haven't laid it out and made it clear. You with me? So Friday, you know, of course, we're in this heat wave. And so I think it was Friday. Um, of course, you know, any heat wave, anything warm enough to go out in the garage and just move things around is like a good day for me. Many guys know what I'm talking about. I was like, I got stuff to do out there and I'm just moving stuff over here and over here, but I just, I'm outside, you know? And so I had Charlie, who's going to be two in April in the garage (laughs) and he's, I get a tool and I'm like, here, buddy, here's your dirt bike. He's got this little electric dirt bike and like man mode is kicking in in him, right? Some of you are going to be very repulsed by this, and I don't care. So <laughs> email anybody else who would care, but it's not me. <laughs> but I swept up, you know, all the just stuff that falls off your car, which is just dirt or gravel. So chill out, everybody. It's not gasoline or any, like, uh, uh, asbestos, you know, that didn't fall from the ceiling. And so I swept it all up, and it was a little pile. Well, man mode kicked in. He was like, I see a dirt pile over there. And he's digging through his toys, and he's getting his dirt bike, and he's playing in the thing. I give him a little tool. He's over at his dirt bike. He's, he doesn't know what he's wrenching on, but he's just wrenching stuff. But it's so funny because he's watching what I'm doing and doing it. Watching it. And it's interesting in even a young, young, young two-year-old's life, it's so interesting how their desire is to progress beyond where they are. He's wired to take and see and advance. You all know what I'm talking about when you're little and you put on the big dad shoes or you wear mom's earrings and all this kind of stuff. God wired you to be a person whose desire is to grow beyond where you are. That's why in our culture, we see such a dissatisfaction in discontentment and depression and all this kind of stuff because we've created such a culture of Accept everyone where they are and everything is okay and nobody should grow and everybody gets a trophy. And I'm not here to like make a big statement about that stuff. But what I am saying is God wired us to be people who grow and do better and expand and thrive. We're wired to want to be beyond where we are. So when we build all these bubbles that are like, you don't have to grow. We're fine. Everybody, everything's great. Everybody, no, no, no pressure. No growth. No Actually, what we're doing is saying, sabotaging people by saying, like, it's fine, stay where you are. I don't believe that you can grow or do more or experience more. It's not helping people. I believe we're holding people down because God wired us to be people who grow and advance and do more. There's a natural desire for us to be further ahead. Jesus said that I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Now we know that he's talking about things about the kingdom and all these other things, but he's also talking about our success in life in him, the way that we live and succeed and have victory in God. He came to see us be people who grow in him and grow in the kingdom, right? And so he, he wants us to be people who advance and move forward. Philippians 1.9 says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight. 
That's talking about on the inside. We have to have a relationship and an understanding of Scripture and God and kingdom that we're continually expanding and growing and advancing. We can't people who just sit down and say, I got my faith badge and I've learned a couple of things and I'm content just sitting. No, we, we're people who grow and expand and do more. We need to grow up in things. Are you with me? And so when we write a book like this, it's, it's to say, hey, we believe that God wants to grow us, that, that he's more for us. As a matter of fact, there's, Scripture says that there's things in God that we'll never understand. There's mysteries of God. You're never going to learn enough until we're there and we see him and we're with him. There's things that we're always attaining to. Are you with me? And so those are big picture things. But then we have this book that says, God... Here's some things that we want to grow in. Here's some practical ways that we want to write things down and we want to advance because we're wired to be people who want to go further than where we are, okay? And so let's take the book and let's do that. That's growing up in God. I'm going to be 34 in a couple months and I'll tell you this, the older I get, the more I stay away from people who refuse to grow up. The less time I spend with people who are comfortable staying held back or kept down, when their effort is to just do the minimum, that sucks life out of you. That sucks future out of you. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, I'm all accepting. We, we, I love connecting with people and loving on them and, and seeing them where they're at, but I love them more than to leave them there, right? It's just like with our kids. We would go, oh, hey, uh, you're at this age or you're at this stage, and I love you for that, and I love you with all my heart, but because I love you with all my heart, I'm going to help you get to the next thing. But there, there's such a culture or a idea that's like, oh, we just got to accept everyone and leave them where they're at, and, and it's a huge disservice, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the older I get, the less I'm comfortable spending time with people whose ideas are what they can get away with. Tell me the minimum, and I just want to do that. Are you with me? I'm ranting, but I'm going somewhere. So the older I get, the more I just want to be in a place of growth because God honor growth. God honors growth, and God honors us wanting to advance and progress in him. It's the same thing spiritually. Just be, in natural life, just because you grow old doesn't mean you've grown up, Right? It's the same thing in church. Just because you've been around it a while doesn't mean you've actually grown up spiritually. Well, my parents were in church, and I was and I never missed a Sunday, and I never did it. You can come to this church every single Sunday and not grow up. You can go to any church every single Sunday and not grow up. Just because you've grown old in something doesn't mean you've grown up in it. Are you with me? And so when we come through these doors, we should come in with an expectation of growth. God, I have room for more. I'm coming through these doors, whether it be in worship or how I connect with somebody else or how I hear the word or whatever it is, my expectation is to grow. You'd be a lot less disappointed with the church and people you're mad at if you came in here with an expectation of just growing from God. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, Desire sincere milk of the word as newborn babies so that you may grow by it. Literally, the scripture is laying out as Christians, there's processes that we grow in God. And it's saying in the beginning, desire the sincere word of the Bible. Literally, just reading the Bible, God's word, desire that. It's saying, desire the sincere milk of the word as newborn babies or newborn Christians so that you may grow by it. I thought about this. It's really cheesy of a statement, okay? And I kind of hate it in church. 
But the Bible has been made into a really bad bumper sticker. And you'll know what I'm talking about here in a minute. But the Bible is, oh, you got to read the Bible because it's your, it's your roadmap. It's going to tell you where to go. And, the Bible, and we make it into this like it's this roadmap. Or people have said, it's a blueprint for your life. Just get the Bible. It's a blueprint for your life. And, and it's your instruction manual. And if you ever have a problem, go back to the instruction. And we've taken the holy word of God that the scripture says is living and powerful, like a two-edged sword. I mean, it's not just your blueprint to go win at life. Like there's power in the word. Are you with me? And so many of us have removed ourselves from the reading of God's word. You want to seek God. You want to see your goals made. Tap into the Bible. The scripture says that the, the babiness of Christianity is somebody who just starts reading the Bible, getting into the scripture, getting into it. And so uh, I thought about it. You know, as a Christian, we're born as a baby. You're the, you're, 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 you got saved or you came to church or you're starting this process and you're young in it. That's great. Because you were born young. How I many you know my daughter wasn't born a 12th grader? She was like, oh, due date's here. Oh, look, we had a 12th grader. This is crazy. No, she was born a baby. And it's the same thing in Christ. But do you know what we did as parents? We understood that she was a baby. And so we treated her in the process as such, a young baby. It's not like, oh, look, we had a baby. I'll be right back. I'll go get her some steak in her new car and some money. And we'll just send her on her way. No, because there's a process to it. She's a baby. She needed what she needed at that time in her life, right? Same thing for us. It's okay to come into a thing and, and have an, a, a not great understanding or to be young in something or young in God and to start off at a place. And that's where you're accepting and you're loving and we're trying to raise people up and we're nurturing or even coddling at times, just like we would a baby. People who are, but there is also the place where we get, where we say, listen, I understand to grow in God, my desire is not to stay here as a baby. My desire is to grow up and to be nurtured. And so as parents, we say, listen, I understand that the scripture says that there's laws and principles, there's power in the word, there's things that we need to live by. That's a process of growing up. Could you imagine if a baby in the beginning refused milk, refused what it needed? You would enter into crisis mode, right? Oh, no, it's not taking milk. Oh, no, it's not receiving a bottle. Oh, no, it's not doing this. You would get into crisis mode. Do you know that many of us as baby Christians do the same thing? We start out in God. We like the idea of social justice and love wins, and we like these things. We like that. But when it comes time to receiving the word of God into our lives, we're refusing. And do you know what that does to you spiritually? It puts you in crisis mode. You're in danger if you're not receiving and working the process of God in your life. Amen. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Verse eight, for he who sows to his flesh will reap of his flesh corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will the spirit of God reap everlasting life. Many of us, we like the idea of God. We like the idea of church, the idea of Christianity. We like the idea of seek God. That even sounds okay. But when it comes to making decisions based on the ways of God and not the ways of our flesh, we have a huge intersection. Are you with me? But God is calling us to be a people who seek him first, God first filter. And when that fork in the road comes, am I going to do this by my own will, my own ways, my own flesh, my own wants, or am I going to follow the ways of God, the spirit of God and seek him first? 
We must go in the way of God. Because the scripture says when you do it by your own flesh, you reap of your flesh corruption. That's good. Everybody says that's good. I know you're like writing it down. He's preaching really good right now. That's good. I know you're writing that down. Thank you. And the thing is, there is no status tier with God. Well, you know, I can get away with it because I have this status or I live in this neighborhood or I have this career. Or I know these people. And so I can get away with it. No, we're all on the same thing. We must live by the spirit of God and not our own flesh. Amen. All of us need God. My mentor would say this to me. Anytime you would uh, hit a ceiling or hit a, a window or hit something like that, uh, he, he would say, well, you know, it's time to give something up. What are you willing to give up to grow up? And it's always about sacrifice. Most people that I see staying down, losing, frustrated, it's because they're refusing to give up or grow up things that God is asking them to. What are you willing to give up to grow up? It's the process of sacrifice for God. Amen? Matthew 4.4 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Imagine in our life, when we go without food, what happens? We get dizzy, we get frustrated, we get fatigued, we stumble, we struggle. Why? Because we don't have the resource of food in our life. It's the same thing when we go without God, when we spend a year not seeking him, not having the, the word of God, the bread of God in our life, the same thing happens. Spiritually, we stumble and we fatigue and we get dizzy and we get frustrated and we make dad, bad decisions. Why? Because we're, we're fatigued in the ways of God. Are you with me? So we have to give ourselves spiritually what we need. And that's what this book does, is it gives us a way to write down and say, God, this is the prescription for my life this year, the year. Help me in these goals. Help me put you first here and here and this and this and this. It's, it's making sure that the seek God first filter is there. Are you with me? Another big sign about growing up spiritually or, or growing up in our real life uh, it's one thing, you know, mom gives you milk and then baby food. But as you progress, one of the ways that you see a sign of maturity in life is you begin to prepare your own food, right? Hey, look, I've grown to a place that I'm now able to prepare food for myself. Uh, our daughter is four. And so uh, we get a lot of extra with our meals because she's helping. And by extra, it's like extra ketchup on things, extra Parmesan cheese, because she doesn't understand how this works yet. <laughs> Sprinkle abundance. We're just blessed. Our cup runneth over in things that a four-year-old can apply. Uh, but a sign of growing up in life, and we let her do it because we realize she's growing up. She's working on something. A sign spiritually that you're growing up is that you've come to a place where you've learned to prepare food spiritually for yourself. You've said, okay, uh, church is one thing, worship is one thing, you know, a message is one thing, all those, but I can't just, I have to prepare food for myself throughout the rest of the week. Uh, let's try it. If, if all you ever do is seek God at church, then just only eat a meal one time this week and see what happens. You're going to, well, you're doing that same thing to yourself spiritually. If this is the only place you're encountering God, you're starving yourself spiritually throughout the rest of your week. This is not the end-all, be-all. Amen? And so a sign of growth is that you, you've learned to prepare for yourself. And so that sounds big. Well, I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't know. Just open the Bible and start reading. Go on your app store and download the YouVersion Bible. Click on devotions. It'll give you topical devotions. You want to learn about peace or joy or forgiveness, all these different kinds of things. Literally, it'll send you an alert, and you, it'll take you five minutes to read something. But you know what you just did? You just did. 
You just did a microwave meal. You just did your first Hot Pocket. <laughs> Should I? No, I won't. I'm out of time. <laughs> uh, but for real, start there. Get the YouVersion Bible. Download it on your thing. Set your reminders. Quick read. And then you'll grow in it. And you'll, you'll develop a bigger appetite for other things. Are you with me? Yeah. And so that's a big thing is we got to learn to prepare food for ourselves. Hebrews 5.13 says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. Verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason have use of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Talking about spiritual maturity, just being able to use your word to discern what is right and wrong and navigate through life, amen? There are a lot of people and a lot of Christians with grown-up opinions and infant theologies. You got a lot of big ideas, but you have very baby theologies and you're not equipped to discern right or wrong. Are you with me? I'll close with this. The biggest thing in all of this that I want us to understand in growing up is it sounds like a lot of pressure. Uh, Even if I look at this book, you know, you get this book and you got to write your goals and your action steps. It sounds like lots of pressure, but I want you to cast that idea away. It's a huge disservice that has happened to the body of Christ, that there's this angry God waiting to throw lightning bolts and get you. God is your biggest cheerleader fan. And I'm not trying to like strip a layer of his holiness and reverence off, but he loves you. He's literally called your heavenly father. Nobody is cheering for you more than your heavenly father. I promise you. He emptied everything. Heaven sent his son. Why? So that you could get it and you could see success and you could walk with him and be with him. So all of these things, growing up and and striving and seeking and all of these kinds of things here that we talk about, I want to put on the back end of it that don't, don't put yourself in pressure because think of this. As you're growing up, we make mistakes growing up. Our little ones fall, right? We're going to fall as Christians. You're going to fall in your seek book. You're going to write your goals. You're going to trust God. You're going to plan. You're going to go after him. You're going to put him first, God first filter. You're going to go from milk to meat and you're going to keep growing up and you're going to keep, and you're going to fall. But imagine if I did this with my kids when they're learning to walk, they fall for the first time. Fell, fell. Everybody see he fell. And then 15 years later, I'm still carrying a 15 year old around the mall, carrying this one because fell one time trying to grow up. Can you believe it? Fell one time. God's not that. God's not one chance God. Oh, now I got to carry you. You fell. You fell. That's ridiculous. But in church, we've put a lot of that pressure on ourselves. Well, they fell. Did you hear they fell? Are you with me? If we can talk real talk. I don't know if you heard, but they fell. Better not do anything anymore. We better carry them. The rest of the day, they fell. It's ridiculous. Put goals and expectations on your life and go after them with the best that you can do. But when you fall, get back up because God is cheering for you. As a parent, we cheer for our kids to walk. Come on, you can do it. Oh, you fell. Get back up. You can do it. You can do it, right? I'm just not strong enough to carry a 15-year-old, you know. So I really want you to walk. They're two, and I don't want to carry them anymore. So 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We fall and we go to God and say, God, I've messed up. Sincerely in my heart, I repent and I turn from that decision. 
God will cleanse you from all unrighteousness, put you back on the path to walk and not fall. Are you with me? My last thought of this, growing up doesn't happen overnight. Don't put the 30 pounds and 30 days pressure on yourself. It's like the chart on the wall where we mark with the pencil and you see yourself just grow up. It's the same way in God. You go from level to level. Look, hey, I'm not where I was. Not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. This is awesome. You can't wait to measure, right? When you're a kid, you couldn't wait. Oh, look, look. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm still going in God. So read your word, worship, come here, serve, participate in the Bible studies, be a part of things and watch yourself grow. Amen. Anytime God asks you to give something up, it's so that he can give you something better. That's what it's all about. The whole seek book, everything we do, it's arranging our lives and moving things out of the way so that we're ready to receive what God has that's better. Amen.